Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week is episode 12 of season two. We're going to talk around purview information protection and how it can help you classify data in Office 365. Hey, Alan, how are you? Ready to chat around uh, classifying data in Office 365? Hey, Sam. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, yeah, I think this is, uh, this is a continuation of our sort of little mini purview journey that we're diving into, hopefully back out of it soon. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah. I think I think at the moment, um, the purview team's on an all-encompassing journey of just, you know, um, pulling in different compliance aspects, right? And, um, and for anybody that didn't get, like, the private joke reference, Alan and I... Um, actively try to steer around compliance as much as we possibly can but it's like a um either a large um planet or sun or black hole it just keeps dragging us back towards its center doesn't it alan right we we keep getting <laughs> we um we get dragged into it far too often <laughs> yeah i mean we know that the the importance of it and things like that but it's just another mindset for us to try and take on with our security and date you know our um, yeah. development heads I, I think for i think for me um i and uh, yeah and i i do make you know i do make a joke about compliance but only from our own viewpoints because i think there's just so many different technologies you know um and now we're going multi-cloud and we're you know even just as you're alone and office 365 there's just there's so many areas and you, you can't possibly niche down into every single area so when we do get asked um uh, difficult questions from from customers around uh, compliance. Um, it's definitely an area that um, you know we, we could do better on, if that makes sense. Um, but you know, but as as I as I mentioned, we try to um, steer towards our own niches, don't we, Alan? <laughs> you know, not try to um, <laughs> yeah act like we we know everything about everything, which we definitely don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that may be true but uh you know with all my certs and stuff it, it doesn't look like yeah that, does it? Uh, but, hey. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so um okay let's let's have a um a chat around um information protection so alan uh, just to kick us off oh and just just to to make it sort of uh, uh clear alan is um the 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 and i'll use inverted quotes experts um <laughs> in, in this scenario i'm going to be sort of fielding questions to him I'm going to do my best to pull as much information as I possibly can out of his brain so that we can all uh, learn a thing or two. So um, Microsoft Purview Information Protection, Alan, um, uh, what is it? Can you just give us sort of a, a high-level uh, overview? Yep, sure. So this is uh, Microsoft's technology to help uh, label, classify, and protect data within Office 365 and does reach out into other Microsoft products. Um, previously, it was called Microsoft Information Protection. Um, and previous to that, it was called Azure Information Protection. So it's been out for quite some time now. It's a good sort of four or five years. Um, it's evolved quite a lot. Um, the move from Azure Information Protection to Microsoft Information Protection was a kind of big jump because they moved it in effect to be integrated more into office 365 rather than being a standalone product um, and then it's just a i think at the moment it's just a rebrand to purview information protection so it just goes under that umbrella that we were talking about last week um, but 
yes, so within um, you're able to classify documents within SharePoint, OneDrive teams, um, or any document for that matter, potentially, um, as well as put a classification against that label um, based on your taxonomy. Um, and you can also protect it in, in weird and mysterious ways, which we'll talk about later. So when we're talking about uh, classification, could you could you just explain to us, you know, what a um, you, you spoke about a taxonomy, but what, what can you just give us some examples of like a really sort of like basic taxonomy that a company might have? I assume it's like internal, external, confident. Like, you know, what are the what, what's just to sort of yeah. give a bit of uh, an example of like how how somebody might approach it. Yeah, so this is outside of the technology itself. Um, so this is a organization having a a way or or yeah a way of identifying their different types of data and then be able to classify it against them. So the standard ones are kind of um, you know public, um, confidential, highly confidential, secret, top secret, that kind of stuff. You can go down to that sort of level. Um, there may be some changes where you have a like a difference between internal and external on a classification. So confidential, but um, you know, internal and confidential, external. Um, so it's just a way to help you classify your data so that you know the sense, you know, the sensitive type, you know, um, sensitive um, meaning to them, and being able to. Uh, identify the differences between them so you know a piece of a piece of data might go from maybe internal and then move to external because you're moving you're then allowed to share it with a partner or, or your customers or and things like that um, so you can ensure that you know, your trade secrets or your internal uh, information doesn't get leaked and exposed which you could cause you know um, damage to your organ uh, financial damage to your organization because it might be uh, I don't know, it could be anything, you know, it could be a trade um, agreement, you know, a merger acquisition stuff that you don't want to get out yet. That's not public, that sort of stuff. Okay. So that, that taxonomy, is that generally driven by the customer or end organization typically? Yeah. Normally an organization has a idea of their sort of data classifications that they're using. Um, we have come across customers that don't, they kind of know they need one, but they're not at that, they're not there yet sort of thing. So we can guide, you know, as, as consultants, um, we can guide them to a, either based on the information they've got and the, the area. So some of it might be based on departments, things like that as well. Um, Cause you might want to classify financial data different to HR data. Maybe there's, there's different ways to, to cut the, cut the data okay. around. It's just dependent on the customer, but yeah, it, it kind of, they should, you know, most customers will know what their classification of data is, or they have a policy around it. Um, others may not, and we do have some sort of recommendations. Well, Microsoft come up with some recommendations anyway, but we can, you know, adapt on top of that from our experience. Okay, great. Um, so, what types of file or data can you um, classify and label? So, with Microsoft Information Protection, it's all around. Office documents mainly. That's where most of the the integration is. So you can do emails, you can do 
Word, Excel, PowerPoint, etc., um, and they can be classified. Um, you can also do other files, um, but you need the client to do that. Um, so it can, so PDF files can be done that you can classify those. And um, if you're using Microsoft Edge as your PDF reader, then it will know the classification and whether you're allowed to open it if you've got encryption, etc. Um, and also Adobe have a plugin that they've developed with Microsoft to allow it in there as well, as well as creation um, of documents. So it's not just read to see whether you've got permission to access something. It's also to generate and classify. So if you're using Adobe, the full, you know, the full-fledged Adobe Acrobat, not let's say just the reader. If I'm using, say, the free version of Acrobat Reader, can I use that plugin to then read, say, encrypted um, PDFs that have been classified? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is the whole point. Is they made it as, as tried to make it as frictionless as possible. Um, it might be we're hoping, I say we, the royal we, we're hoping that the plugin would be sort of baked in, so it's it's like in there all the time because it's so that it it improves the. Uh, the 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 onboarding process i guess you know most you know most organizations either use the built-in stuff into windows like the adobe microsoft edge or they have adobe reader there because it's you know it's got some more functionality around you know in general um yeah it's simple it's an msi that you push out and it's you know really simple to get out there but i suppose i could have issues with say if i was a i don't know a chrome organization don't know let's say i use chrome and i use chrome's inbuilt like pdf reader would I be able to read read those or would I have to, you know, um, ensure that like I move over to like a, a Adobe reader? Uh, that is a good point. I don't know. Okay. I mean, based on, you know, I think, I think that Microsoft have obviously baked in something to edge because it is in effect Chromium in the background. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think they've added a little bit extra just to help with that. Um, but I'll double check. Yeah, no, it's just. Yeah, I think I think with all of these, uh, th- this this feels like because you're like classifying documents, they can be opened in many different ways, can't they? Right, and I, I suppose that's, I suppose that could be a uh, an area of friction, couldn't it? Around you know what can read these documents and things like that when you're talking about encryption. Yeah, I mean you can open these documents in the browser from you know from Outlook Web and Office Outlook or you know Office web office kind of stuff from you know from office 365 as well as the mobile apps you know microsoft office app and the you know and outlook and things like that so it's all baked into there kind of thing so it makes it really uh, from the office or the microsoft ecosystem at least it's really easy uh, like i said you can do other documents it can be zip files and other files it's just that they get a a special um uh, extension on them because they in effect get encrypted so they are protected but it's it's not a hundred percent there really with those sort of documents but it, it i don't think anything out there would be able to classify that sort of document data anyway really not easily yeah i suppose um they're gonna go for what is most simple in their ecosystem to encrypt right you know your 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 word your words excel documents your powerpoints i assume are all yeah. just first party native encryption ready to go, you know, and I don't know, assumption time, the vast majority of organizations use 
the office suite of products, don't they? Right. So it's there's a high amount of you know installed base out there to to support it, right? You know, for low friction. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, so uh, I've 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 decided that I want to start classifying labeling my data. Um, I I might have some sort of viewpoint of <laughs> I know what I want to classify. Um, not all organisations know what data they have, but yeah, okay, I'm happy, Bath. I'm there. And um, what do I need to uh, do to start um uh, labeling? So if you're using the latest versions of Office, then it's it is baked in. Uh, natively, so you don't have to worry about deploying a client. There are some um, benefits of there is a client as well, and there is some benefit to deploy that on Windows. That does a few extra things that aren't in the baked in one yet, because the baked in one has to go through the the out the Office update cycle. So there has to be a, a lot of testing outside of just you know the the client itself for reverse section so it does take a little bit longer for some of that those features to come in um so you need the client or the the um thingy the baked in stuff um and then in effect you go into the compliance portal and then you can just start setting up your classifications so initially you can set them up with just you know tagging data with metadata to say it's this type of document or this classification um and then once that's in there, you can specify who can see which labels by groups. And then once those groups have been assigned to people or to users, then they will they will just see those next time they launch Outlook or Office, they will see those classifications turn up and then they can use them. So it's relatively simple in some forms. There are advanced settings, things like that to get, you know, to get more out of the whole product and depending on your licensing. Um, but to get started, to see it sort of working at least without any encryption, um, it's relatively simple. Okay, that sounds um, that does sound very simple. You know, um, I, almost I think, too simple. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of it is working out the classifications, the uh, the labels themselves, and how you want to structure them. Because we've seen, I've I've seen in the past with with customers that um they've wanted it to be really complex and whilst the system lets you do that microsoft recommendation is sort of you should really only have five classifications at high level um you and they recommend no more than 25 but you can have quite a lot and there's a there is a limit on the encrypted ones i think it's like 150 or 200 something like that which is crazy amount of labels but um yeah, I think you've got to understand that if you want users to classify the data correctly, it needs to be simple enough to work or for them to understand. And that's where it kind of said about where you can set you, with the groups, you can specify who can see certain labels. There might be that the HR team can only see, you know, can see the default ones across the organization, but only see the HR ones maybe so that you can reduce that complexity from a user perspective. Okay, so you could effectively, um, because access to the labels is, say, group controlled or however you're doing that, um, you, you know, you may have 15 labels, but the average user might only see two or three, you know, um, and then 
so I suppose you might get to a stage where some of your users might have a large number of them dependent on their role and their where they are in the hierarchy of the business, I suppose. So um so so understanding that matrix of like who has got the worst amount of them, if that makes sense, right? Like I don't know. I, I assume you can't you can't work, infer that from the system that that easily, but I suppose um you know th- that's so so you're effectively saying that it's more the work really is on creating the taxonomy, getting the business aligned, and then um, um, then teaching the users how to use it. Because I assume like end users actually have to like go through the process of uh, of, of of using this day in day out, right? Yeah, that is that is a key point. That's why I haven't really mentioned encryption yet. That the first part is to metadata tag these these documents at least from the start. Okay, so that yeah. nothing's nothing's broken, nothing's encrypted and, and you're, you're the, the person you're sending it to can't open it that you're not breaking business at the start it's to okay. get users used to you know labeling we can also see from um telemetry that it, um the 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 agents sort of send up to to um to the back end to see what things what label documents are classified as and things like that to see if users are actually doing it correctly it, well, okay. seeing if yeah. they're all just using the default one, or if there is some change and things like that. Yeah, because um, because a lot of the technology, like security um, compliance technology that we put in, is not end user facing, is it? Right. It's like maybe transparent to them, or it's you know, uh, and things like that. Whereas this is like front and center. Yes. Like you've got to start classifying what you're creating on a daily basis, right? You know, um, and there's probably a lot to I'd assume from off the back of that, there there could be quite a lot of friction in terms of getting people adopted onto it and 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 making sure. So, so I suppose what I'm the, the sort of thought I'm coming to is is that management of the customer and the business is is important to get them aligned on making making the most simplistic taxonomy they possibly can to encourage end users to actually use it in the most frictionless way, if that makes sense, right? Because, you know, you give an end user like 10 different classification options that they have no clue about how they work or what they do and they're forced to do it. I suppose you could start to get some level of of backlash. Then if users backlash to their managers and their managers managers, you know, <laughs> and then it finally gets back to you. I, I could imagine that it, it can become quite... Um, uh, 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 an expectation and a management and a training problem, not necessarily a technology problem at that point, right? It seems like the technology is pretty much sorted. It's relatively simplistic. Yeah, and th- there's different, I guess, parts of the journey customers are on because if a organization has a taxonomy already of how they classify data, maybe not at the, maybe splitting it by department kind of level, but at a high level, you know, you, you've got highly confidential, confidential, secret etc or internal they've got that idea of that at least so that when they're working on documents maybe they manually type internal or you know whatever that classification might be maybe that process is there already or at least they've been told to sign something to say i've read that we have classifications i need to think about it so there's there's that scenario so that's like a 50 60 percent on the way and this is how easy (laughs) it is to then label it because you already got that mindset but you're right if if an organization's never done it and they're trying to imp- approach it, there's yeah, the business change part. 
Yeah, there's um, there's 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 two yeah, that that business transformation part which is the the taxonomy and the classification and then like you say it is layering on the 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 technology to make it as simple as possible to use. Yeah. Okay. Um so um we've we've got started um and then I've realized as a business that I've got tons and tons and tons of documents. Um I am a book publisher and all I write is words all day, every day. Um, so is this going to be a lot of work for me to take on? What do I do about, say, my back catalogue of documents that I've got and built over the, the course of the history of my business? So you, there is, in, in part of the, well, it used to be P2, but it's not called P2 anymore. They've got rid of it kind of thing. But in the more advanced licensing, I'll say for now, um, you're able to do automatic classification. And there's a couple of ways of doing that. It could be based on um, kind of what we touched on last week around sensitive information types. So these are um, different types of data that um, you can, in effect, classify on. So this could be a, you know, a, a UK credit card or a, you know, a, a national insurance number in the UK or you know debit card in the EU kind of thing. Or in the US, it could be the, the medical number or your social security number that sort of stuff. So Microsoft's got a baked in, you know, um, list there for you. And it also includes things like Azure, I think it's Azure um, secrets and things like that. So they're, they're starting to bring in some of that stuff to check. Um, so you've got some of that and you can create your own. So if you've got a, uh, uh, an invoice, an invoice document um, that may be, you can say that um, it uses reg regex to work, you know, to do some uh, matching. But also, you can do things like, well, when I see the when I see the word order within X characters, I should see this regex, so that you can instead of just being, if I see order, it means it's this type of classification. You can put some more context in there to reduce the false positives kind of thing. So you can do that, and then within the within the label itself you can specify that you can automatically classify and you can add, attach in effect those classifications those sorry sensitive data types to that label and you can say if i see it x times then it means it's this type kind of thing so there's a bit more context on it as well so it's detecting it and then you can say how often do i detect it um, and then it will automatically classify when a document is opened so that's that part so that is you know you, you open up a, a, a backlog document um, it will then sort of scan it for for the you know for the data, the sensitive information types and then it will then automatically classify it for you and then because you, you've got one drive set up it will auto save it with it there that's okay um, Microsoft when it when information protection moved into the Microsoft information protection piece into 365. They then have a, in effect, an online scanner. In effect, it's kind of basically what it is, and it can search basically SharePoint and OneDrive for documents with that classification. It will tell you whether it will classify it or not. So you can just have a, like in effect a, a scanner there, just scanning SharePoint and OneDrive to look for these types of documents and then classify. So again, you can set the criteria to then classify those. Um, the other part is that if you've got Microsoft Defender for cloud apps, that can integrate with the labeling and based on the the data it sees uh, when documents upload and download it, it can 
add a label to them as well as going into um, things like box and dropbox so it's moving out of office 365 and actually potentially labeling documents in those areas um, depending on api support in those areas to be able to do it but that's the theory um but yeah and then you can do um on-premise documents as well um we were going to talk about it later but we'll talk about it now so you can download an uh a microsoft information protection scanner or purview information protection scanner that sits on premise and that can talk to file shares and what that can do is it can scan them and it will tell you what types of data you've got there so you may have a file share that you it's been there for 10 15 20 years never been touched no, you, Alan, you, that never happens. You, yeah. What are you, you keep moving, <laughs> you keep moving the data from the new, you know, the new data storage to the next one because someone needs to sort it out. But you know, it's just there, and in effect, it can scan it, and it can, it can, it, it can tell you on that scan what type of data it has. So it will tell you that it's detected the the data sensitive types, the information types. Um, if you have automatic labeling set up. Um, you in audit when it's in audit mode, it will tell you what label it would apply to it. <clears throat> if you don't have automatic labeling, you can you can apply a default label across the board. So if you just say, "I just want to apply this label to this, you know, to this um, share," because it's it's in the finance team, it should or it most likely will be confidential. If it's high too classified too high, then you know users can declassify it when they get to it, kind of thing. Because cause is that a strategy um, for organization to say, just like label everything internal confidential, let's say, and then, um, you know, uh, uh, users then have to like justify down as well as up, if that makes sense, you know, and because and, 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 I suppose it's declassification or reducing classifications is actually what they're trying to avoid, isn't it? Actively avoid. So. You know. Yeah, well, we haven't really talked about the the functionality there, have we? Actually, that when you apply a label and changing labels, so yeah, so when you when you apply a label, you can apply um, uh, uh, effects to the document or PowerPoint, etc. So you can put a header or footer in that's automatic based on that classification, and you can choose the color of it and things like that, and where it is on the page, you know. Is it left aligned, right aligned, center, things like that? You can also put a watermark over it. So you can say, I've got a top secret one and you want to put a watermark over. So if they try to take a screenshot or they take a picture of it, then it's got that watermark on it. But you're right. If you try to lower the classification, you can specify you require justification. You know, why, why, are you, why are you lowering it? And whilst this is just a plain text box that they can just type whatever they want in it, that is audited in the back end so that if for any reason that document gets leaked and it's not encrypted at this point, um, auditors can go in or you know, IT can go in and see why it was declassified. So there may be a legitimate reason why they declassified it and then it was you know, misused or something else later. So there, there may be things. So it's, it's in the user's interest to put something in there meaningful. Whether that happens or not is, is, yeah. Hmm. So. Okay, so go, going back to the automated scanning, because I assume, because um, whenever whenever I talk to 
to customers around adopting any new technology, it's always friction that usually gets in the way, right? There's obviously commercial discussions that have to happen about how much it's going to cost them and things like that. But a, a big part of that is not just, say, like our cost, it's also their internal like resource cost, you know, because because generally um, companies have like the minimal amount of internal IT staff is that they can possibly get away with, right? Because they're all an over, they add more value than just calling them an overhead, but effectively, you know, they're paying to de-risk their, you know, um, their, their IT infrastructure in terms of security and operational, right? So, so the, the point I'm trying to make is, is that like, um, let's say I've got a hundred thousand files or whatever. Yeah. Going through that manually could be like an insane amount of work, couldn't it? Right. Yeah. So what you're saying is, is that we can we can scan, and we can attempt to automatically classify. If that's not doing a great job, I'm not saying it won't, but sometimes you know it it might just be that a customer's documents they're just not very well like designed to be automatically scanned. Let's say they've got a bunch of PDFs that are just pictures or something like that. You know what I mean? Without you know, yeah. some some weird use case like that, like you know, they scan their invoices in and then they're just images, JPEGs instead of their instead of OCR like text, right? Just using stupid examples. So you can also say to them, right, okay, well, um, what we could just do is we could just apply internal confidential to everything to start off with, and allow people to then justify you know uh, send your send your humans in to do that classification when they f- next open the documents or something like that if that makes sense so you can take a staged approach uh, to that rollout because i suppose that would be the quickest thing wouldn't it be like just def- apply a label to everything automatically and then as you go through like all of the old archive stuff that you probably won't touch is all just automatically labeled and encrypted and then going forward if you open any other previous things you've just got to go in you know re relabel i suppose if you want to share outside of the organization is the only time that you would relabel um from that perspective right yeah i mean i've seen it from both sides that i've had an organization say that they don't want to document their previous stuff because it is so much there's so much information there and that they said it's only on reuse so when when a new doc when an old document is opened, then it gets classified, and that I'm right, assuming that is okay. based on them assuming that everything is that like you said that level, without actually applying a label to it. They don't okay, think they right. want to, to change yeah. it kind of thing. But then I've had the other way, like you said, they want to classify everything to get it to to a level where they can say we know what's here. Well, because then at least I suppose you know if you classify it to an encrypted internal state, you can at least be more confident that anything that then does leak outside of the estate is encrypted and it's labeled already as internal, right? The worst thing that you're going to do is slow somebody's like work down during a day where they've got to reclassify it, say, for external consumption and um, and provide a justification for it, which probably wouldn't actually, somebody that knows how to do it, it wouldn't actually slow them down too much. Well, not unless they had to do it hundreds of times, but then that would also ask the question of is, why is somebody sharing hundreds of documents externally, right? You know, is it part of their actual uh, job role to do that, I suppose? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, yeah. so there's, there's that. And uh, with the with the scanning perspective, we always do like a, an audit scan first for, 
to see what's out there because you, there is that whole we always talk about you don't know what's out there until you you know you know till you've done a scan or something. So, um, and just from the context of the the actual like the scanning server, you know, it basically backs onto a SQL database um, that can be run locally on that server itself. It doesn't have to be like a cluster or anything, um, but you can join up um, multiple. Um, servers to do it faster because we had I've had customers where they've had like petabytes of data and they're like how long is it going to take to scan and you're like yeah it might be here in four years time you know if you had one scanner but Microsoft brought in a thing you know in effect that you know based on the size and then you can like scale out to multiple VMs in effect to they still they talk to the same database so they like populate the same database but they can basically scan a lot quicker um, but obviously you've got to then determine how much you're hitting that file share and how much your customers, you know, your users are using it because you want to just take it out for, for yeah. scanning sort of thing. So there's you, a... you might say that you want to just scan at night or something like that, right? And just can you do that? Can you just schedule it for certain times of day and things like that? Or is it just slowly I think is it, it just... is it just it's just scanning so slowly that it shouldn't have any sort of impact? Yeah, I think it depends on how how much process power and things like that you give it and how many servers, things like that, how quick you want to scan it. Okay. Um and again, even within a file share, you can specify different folders within that. So you don't have to like do the whole server. You could be like, you're, like I said, you'll hit the finance team on Monday and on Tuesday you'll do HR kind of thing. So you don't have to do a big scan in one hit sort of thing. Okay, cool. Great. Um, and I suppose you've talked about um, encryption um, because this this is quite a big element of um information protection mm. is encryption. So can you just explain what encryption is used for and sort of what the experience is like uh, with doing encryption on these these documents? Yes, so it's all based on Azure rights management. So anyone out there used to use um, like uh, Active Directory rights management to do encryption. It's very similar to that, but it's the cloud version. It's been there for for years so it's not you know changed too much from that but in essence on a on a on a label you can specify um to encrypt it and you can specify who has access to it from with that using that encryption um and it, it is very granular and i say that because in effect you can say um we'll, we'll go down the hr team because I think it's a good example. So you've got your HR team, right? And they're putting that, they want to encrypt their HR data, you know, user um, information. Um, so what you can do is you can say that the HR team, they're in a, a group, are allowed to open and edit these documents whenever they want. You know, not necessarily wherever they are, but they can do it you know, they can do whatever they need to with that document they can change the classification things like that and then maybe you've got some juniors you know junior hr um staff there um so with those users you might say well you can you can open them you can edit them but you can't change classification so they can't accidentally leak it so you might have hr internal and they can't accidentally you know classify it as h you know or external and then like leak it out kind of thing based on DLP that's in place. That's quite cool. You can do that. And then you might have the employees where actually, you know, they're only allowed to read it 
they're not allowed to change it. If they want to make a change, they have to go to HR to make the change kind of thing. Um, but what you can do with that, so that's just like read, modify, and like owner kind of state. But you've also got, um, oh, you're not allowed to print screen it. You're not allowed to print it. When you're in a when you're in a Microsoft Teams meeting and you share this document that is internal only and you don't have permission to share it, like screen share it, it goes black. I don't think you've ever seen that, Sam. But I, I've, no, I I've been on a call no. and you're you're sharing something with the, with the with an you know with within internal team. They're like, oh, we can't see anything. It's black. You're like, oh, minimize it, and then they can see your screen again. And you're like, oh, yeah, I can't share this. I can't declassify it to show you. So. So yes, you can even do that. So even if you are on a Teams meeting, you accidentally bring up a document that you're not allowed to screen share or to capture or print or save as that kind of thing, then you can't, which I think is really powerful. Um, the other thing, so we've talked about the different sort of levels you can do, and there is there is loads of different sort of layers you can do on that. Um so it's worth sort of looking at what you can do. There's there's d- different combination that kind of goes where it might get a little bit complicated with the labels as well, where you're trying to work out who has access because they're based on groups. So you can give like ads on to a group and then they got permission to view it and then you can take them out and then they can not see it. So there may be sort of that sort of, I'm working with this partner. I'm going to show them this, this sort of project document, share it with them. Okay, cool. They're, now they're, they're finished, right? Now remove their access, bang, no access. And, they may have the documents and that's what I'm going to go on to next. This encryption is on the file itself. It's not where it's stored. It's nothing to do with office 365. So if that document does get leaked, so say you've got an internal one, you say only internal people can open it. Say someone does leak it. You know, maybe they can get it through DLP. They send it to their Gmail account, whatever. If someone tries to open it, they have to authenticate to your Azure AD tenant. When they do that, or if they don't do that, they can't open it. It's, it's a dead file to them. But if they do open it and put credentials in, it will then tell you, it will then say, no, you're not, you're not allowed to have access to this and stop them. And also within the audit logs, it does say this person tried to open this file and they were blocked. So you can see when it's been leaked to China, Russia, etc., when they've tried to open it. And now it doesn't stop someone sharing their credentials, but that's a different story at that point but yeah yeah so, so okay right so 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 when we're talking about encryption we are actually we're talking about encrypting the file but we've also got a level of like um user rights to that mm. file as well screenshotting printing sharing on teams x y and z you know and then the label is then really controlling people's access to those documents like you say it's on the document itself so let's say somebody was part of say a finance team and they copied a file to their desktop from like the, the the finance share or whatever it is then they get removed from the finance team so their their access to the share is gone but also that file is then dead to them right because it's been it's been classified with a finance label so you've also got some like roaming access control if that makes yeah. sense on your files you know i don't know the best way to describe that but that seems you know uh really powerful and then like you say I've, a big part of it is also outside of the organization right you know um 
you know, files being shared with, like, say, trusted third parties and then them leaking information outside. So, um, you know, just allowing those people access to those files is is very... And being able to revoke access, I suppose, right? Because the challenger's done it the time that they authenticate with your... back to your tenant, right? So if in six months you remove them from your tenant or, you know, you, you remove their access, then all of those files are just completely you know, inaccessible to them, right? So that's really yeah. powerful, you know, really, Yeah, really and with, with some of the, the labels themselves, you can specify how long a document has for offline access. So it might be that you say, well, someone can use it for five days offline before they have to, like, confirm that it's still got access so that you right, don't completely okay. break yeah. somebody that, you know, works offline. Maybe it's two okay. days. So you could add the little bit of flexibility. You could say, right, they have to check in every seven days or something like that to make sure that, you know, if they're on a train going to a meeting or something, they can, you know, if they've authed within the last seven days, they can still get access to it offline, things like that. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's really good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's, let's, let's move on to licensing. Um, and I think this is going to be the last area I, I think we should go through because it, this can be a little bit complicated, I think, if I re remember rightly. So yeah. Can you take us through licensing, Alan? How much it costs? Yeah, so I kind of said that it's it was in two stages. So it used to be like it used to be called Azure Information Protection Plan One and Plan Two. They've still got sort of Azure Information Protection as a base, and then there's some extra features that are sort of split around different bundles and things like that. So the Plan One is part of the stand, you know, the Enterprise Mobility and Security E3, EMS E3, the M365 E3, and Microsoft 365 Business Premium. So to start classifying and like manual, you know, manual classification um, and encryption is including those levels. So quite a lot of the organizations we well, we've worked with are at that level because it's it's been like three or four years they've got to like the E three sort of tier now with all the. Oh, if, if it includes business premium, that's a <laughs> that's that's business three premium to up to E three, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of businesses are on those SKUs, aren't they? Right, because even if you've got you know, like budget conscious organizations and they're like, cause I think we get surprised sometimes about business premium, don't we? Because yeah. it's like this little, it's a dark horse, isn't it? Right. It's just, it's got so much in it. It's, it's got so much value. And I think it's only like 16 pounds British a month, something like that. It's, it's, it's crazy. The amount of value that you get from it. Anyway, sorry, Alan. I, 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 no, I got a bit distracted just, there with my love just, of business yeah, premium. It's just shame yeah. it's got a, a, the cap at 300 users or whatever it is. So, yeah, but, but exactly, that's the reason yeah. why it's that yeah. level sort of thing to get <laughs> yeah, you know, help. Is, yeah. But um, yeah, so they kind of give you the, the the base tools to start, you know, doing that classification manually and and you know, well, in fact, most organisations that might be just enough to do it manually. Um, you can use the the MIP scanner, but you can only, like I said, you can only do us an audit scan in effect. And I think you can only do a classify that by this label, you specify one, you can't do it like dynamically based on the content. It's kind of thing. Okay. So you can do a, yeah, I want, I want the default label to be this. So I, I could, I could set like loads of departmental default labels. So I could say, right hit this folder with all the finance default label, hit this one with the HR default, you know, label, and then it's manual classification from there on in. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's that part. So that's really useful because it's you know, practically in, in most organizations, like 
toolkit. Um, and then you've kind of got the P2 stuff. And this is, there's a couple of different areas. So there is like the MIP scanner and client um, doing, you know, rule-based um, labeling. And that is part of e EONS E5. Um, you've also got um, automatic classification, that automatic classification I said in 365. That's a different license. That comes under information protection and governance SKU which I never heard of until I looked it up earlier because they've obviously changed it again since I last seen it. <laughs> um, so you've got that. You've got Office 365 E5, which gives you that top part about Office 365 automatic classification, things like that. Um, and then you've got M365 E5 compliance, which gives you the the same above the the Office 365 stuff, but plus all the other compliance tools. So it's, it's got the information protection governance included in that. So you can break it down again if you needed to or grab all the compliance tools. Okay, yeah. But if you want everything together, then you've got the Microsoft 365 E5, which is all the tools you can ever want at the moment. And probably more in the future. And probably well, more in the new future. New SKU in yeah. the future, yeah. Um, you've got the combination of M365 E3 plus the M365 E5 compliance SKU. So it's just combining the two so you get everything. And then you've got the M365 E3 with the M365 E5 information protection governance, which is, then gives you everything as well. So that's the lowest, that's the the closest to getting everything at the without having all the extra bits you may not may or may not need if you're just doing information yeah protection. if you just if you just want specifically information protection you've got to go e3 as your base and then you can do that uplift to um e5 information protection and governance just to get uh yeah information protection yeah exactly got it so okay. yep and then yeah as, as i i said in the order of the everything all the compliance tools and then just the sort of information protection yeah. governance kind of thing. So okay. um, pricing I've not looked at because it changes and yeah, I've not kept up with it. So there are, there's a few different ways and there's eff effectively this P1 and P2 leveling as well, isn't there? There's yeah. the more simplistic um, manual approach to it, which does give you a lot of value, doesn't yeah. it? It's just some of that. If you're a larger organization trying to onboard you know, you've got then a cost versus time exercise that you've got to think about in terms of your ROI, haven't you? In terms of like getting it on board and things like that. So yeah, I, I mean, one thing I didn't mention, uh, it's more around the the sensitive information types, is that you can use a trainable classifier, which you can in effect throw at documents, and it's machine learning, and it will tell you how, you know these types are all you know true ones. So you you get to learn. And then you can use that to then classify documents as well. But okay. That is so if I've yeah, so if I've got my standard invoice document mm -hmm. that I produce, I could throw some number of those invoices at that trainable classifier. It can quotes machine learn or learn <laughs> the mm -hmm. black box, and it can learn what those are, and then you can add that as a classifier from training it. From example, um, like you know. With with that, that learning, that's yeah. that's a cool. That's a cool. Yeah, one. I've not I've not yeah. fully used it yet because I've just started time. But um, and plus I don't have like two hundred documents. I think you have to have to be able to train yeah. it. <laughs> I don't have that sort yeah. of data. Yeah. Um, not okay. to make it true. Um, but 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 the point you're trying to make is is there are ways to try and you know if you do have a large document library, there are ways to try and 
hunt out as much of this stuff automatically as you yeah. possibly can. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. And it's probably worth just saying that because we've, we've talked about it kind of, yes, uh, not yesterday, but um, last you know, last episode is that the sensitive labels are using other products as well. So you can use them within you know, DLP. Um, I talked about it for Dev- Defend of the Cloud apps. And you know, we talked about it in the purview um, governance portal and stuff where in effect you can specify in one location and then it's like you can use it in multiple locations then. Okay, great. Yeah, amazing. So let's do a little bit of reflection. Let me try and um, mirror back to you what I think you've told me because you've been you've been all over the product, <laughs> if that makes sense. So I'll try, I'll try my best. So what I originally... the a point that I sort of got originally from it was, is that um, defining that taxonomy is really a a business led activity, um, and you know that can have some inherent um, time and resource needed to get full alignment um, with with a, with a customer or an end client. Um, we can label office documents, and that's got really good first-party integrations with the native David office clients. You also mentioned that it was a secondary client that you can send down as well um, to to get newer updates um, uh, to that. And then, so around the whole Microsoft ecosystem, you should expect to see like really good, you know, um, first-party integration. And you also mentioned that there is also third-party like but first-party integrations. <laughs> in terms of like Adobe Reader um, to get, you know, your, your standard, uh, you know, as many of, as many of your like third party tools, understanding um, these documents that you're now going to create. Yeah. Right? One, one of them, another one is AutoCAD, which is quite bizarre, you know, CAD drawings. Okay. Well, that would make sense <laughs> in terms of their intellectual property value, right? Uh, uh, for sure. Definitely. Um. And then uh, there's a level of encryption as well. So we're not just classifying, marking these documents. We can encrypt them. And there are ways to prevent certain types of access to these files. So being able to watermark them, um, preventing screen sharing uh, with Teams or screenshots, printing, X, Y, and Z, um, all of those um, different things. There's also a way to scan and label um, on-premise files. So even though this is a sort of cloud-driven service, they're not um, they're not also forgetting our on-premise friends um, and um, the amount of data that they could or could not be hoarding on-premise, which is um, good. And um, there's a few various different ways to license the product. Right? <laughs> um, it's Probably not the simplest thing to license, um, for sure. Um, but the only good thing apart about that is, is there are multiple different options to license it, right? You know, we're talking about even being included even as far down as business premium, which is a very, okay, it's only like the P1 aspect of it. So it's not the full beans um, experience, but that is still important that it gets into as many customers, you know, as, as possible, you know, as many clients as possible. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. Anything else that you want to add, Alan, or anything that I've missed or that you you think is worth everybody um, understanding? I, I think I've probably missed a few bits because um, it is, it's enlarged. It's got so much more than when I previously seen it kind of thing. Um, I try to keep up with it, but I'm trying to keep up with all the other security products. 
more than the sort of compliance and information sort of protection side of things. So there's probably something I've missed. So apologies for that. But I think I've caught the key sort of areas and the benefits from it, I think. Yeah, I think I think we're here to call out the key features yeah. and what it can do, how it can help you, if if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, specific nuances or quirks or, you know, um, uh, certain features um, aren't important for this discussion, that's for sure. So, but thank you very much, Helen. That was a really good, good overview of information protection. Um, yeah, no, thank you. And um, uh, next episode, we are going to be talking around architecting serverless applications. So whether you are a function app developer, a citizen developer, a logic app citizen developer a flow citizens of whatever you call yourself <laughs> if you are serverless you'll want to listen to the, the next podcast um we recently had a very good conversation um with a customer around how to architect serverless applications for the different types of developers that you have inside of your organization and we thought it would be a good topic for us to cover because um i think a lot of people um are sometimes put off with some of the tooling there and they don't realize how interoperable those systems actually are you know being able to have some people build in flows some people build in logic apps and other people build in function apps dependent on the resource that you've got available to you um, and architecting those solutions so yeah we're going to have a hopefully a fun deep dive into that because um, serverless applications i think is a quite a bit and automations are a big passion of Alan and, and I's um, current focus. Um, we do we do a lot in automation, so um, it should be quite a fun one. Hey, Alan. Yeah, I think um, we've always, well between me and you, we've always had a, a logic app is better than function app kind of thing. But then recently, we've done a job where we've used three different technologies to build the same solution. It's been in harmony, hasn't it? Yeah, and and yeah, and. I think there are some real key, like really good insights that we can we can explain to, to to people there throughout that that conversation because the that that conversation where you're saying you know what technology should we use depending on what resource we've got you know can be complex right you know um, you, you might have development resource where you can't build everything in function apps because you don't have enough time to them so let people you know collaborate in in the in the space that they know um, and they can work in. Anyway, we won't talk, talk too much about it. Um, we'll, we'll 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 have a good chat about it next time. So yeah, if you've um, enjoyed the episode, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future. Uh, we have many more topics that we'd like to cover, and your listens and support is what will continue to f fuel the podcast going forward. Yep, and if you have any feedback um, against this episode, against other episodes in our you know back catalog. Um, We've got the ability to for you to you know give us that feedback. So um, within the show notes, there should be a link, and if you click on that and give us some feedback, uh, we'd uh, appreciate to hear from you guys because and girls, um, because yeah, it helps us. You know, in effect, what Sam said, it helps us guide what we do next as well, and whether we're actually doing the right things because we kind of see it from the the numbers that we're doing well, but you know. We don't know <laughs> unless we hear from exactly. you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's anything we do to annoy you or you want us to change, then please do let us know. Um, we can we can take critical feedback, um, honest. Cool. But um, thanks very much uh, for this episode, Alan. Um, some great insights. And um, we'll catch you on the next one. 
yep thanks for listening everyone and speak to you soon